Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all on this Queen's birthday long weekend. Looks like many of us have decided to take the weekend off, but that's fantastic. Great to hear. I bring, uh, I bring good news is that by this time next Sunday, we should have some heaters heating this room up. Come on, in Jesus' name. Um, hopefully taking a bit of the chill off the air. So well done, braving the cold, you mighty warriors of faith. Uh, good job. It's good to have you here this morning. My name's Dave. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, and it's fantastic to have you on this cold, long weekend. Um, we're in Second Timothy. We started Second Timothy last week. If you missed that message, go and podcast it. We don't have time to go through it uh, now. But uh, we started a brand new series, and I'm just so excited about that series, uh, or this series that we are in, looking at the second letter of Timothy. So we're going to get right into it today. If you have your Bibles, please open to 2 Timothy. And we're going to read from chapter 1, from verse 6 through to 14. And we'll see how we go. Actually... It's cold. Do me a favour, stand up. Let's do something a bit different today to get you going. Stand up. I love, I love looking out when people have got their hoods on. And <laughs> I feel like we should all just bunch up and get really close. Body warmth. That's right. You can just yell, at, yell back at me. That'll warm you up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, also translated as a sound mind. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. I love that line. Because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching, <clears throat> with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Help me preach this this morning as you take your seat, turn to the person next to you and tell them, neighbour, there is a whole lot of meat on that bone. <coughs> there is a whole lot of meat on that bone. Or if you're doing a Daniel fast, it's a good meat, Tim, it's a good meat, you're allowed to get into it. As we've been going through this, studying this, meditating on this, sitting with it for the last little bit, uh, the Lord just brought to memory during the week um, of years ago when I was, uh, had the privilege of going to Africa to do some mission stuff over in Africa for a couple of weeks, doing some teaching. Uh, and one of those days we had the joy of doing an aid drop. 
And so what they would do is we had the, what they called buckies, which are our hiluxes, like a ute. Uh, and so you'd jump in and um, you'd fill the back of the ute up with these aid parcels, so big plastic bags full of goodies, just stuff to take to people in serious need in Africa. Uh, and so we had, I had myself and I had three or four of my students and they were sitting on top of the aid in the back of the ute. Very unsafe, but it's Africa and you can get away with anything. And, uh, and I had these four African women in the car with me. So one next to me and three in the back. And they were reasonably um, large African women. And they were loud and they were boisterous and they were good fun. And they didn't speak a whole lot of English and I didn't speak any of whatever language they were speaking. And um, they were the ones directing me, telling me where to go. So I was driving this bucky uh, along... What started off as a bit of just a dirt fire track type road and that was all good and we're trying to get to know each other and chat and then uh, they started directing me where to go and you, the roads got skinnier and skinnier and less and less road-like and more and more sand dune-like um, and they would just be chatting away, laughing and the way they gave directions wasn't like, okay, up here on the right, you want to turn down here, you'd be driving along, dung, 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 I'm trying, trying to drive slowish because I've got four students sitting on top of a huge pile of aid on the back of you, easily being able to, you know, you don't want to go fast because they fall off and then there's a whole other lot of trouble that's going to come your way. And so we're driving along and the last minute they're turning, 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 they just go, there! <laughs> so it's like <laughs> rally drive, you're like trying to get around these corners and because it's so sandy and soft, I don't know if you've ever tried to drive on soft sand, it's hard, like you get bogged pretty easily as you're driving there. So me, four African women, students in the back, driving along and I reckon I got bogged about 18 times, every corner, because I just get like, they're just, there, 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 and then I'm like, tell me earlier, <laughs> tell me where I'm going, like, Give me a little bit of notice so I'm not trying to last minute scoot around this corner. And so what would happen is every time we got bogged to start with, it was a little bit funny. It's like, well, how are we going to get going? So I'm like, all right, girls, out you get. So these four African women out the back pushing on the sand dune, pushing this, this ute. And I'm like giving it, like, we're going. And then I have to keep it going. So they're running back for the car and I didn't want to stop because I'd bog again. So I'm going, just moving just enough. Quick, open the doors, get in, get in, get in. And so we had this over and over and over again where these poor, lovely African women who simply wanted to deliver some aid to their friends found themselves constantly pushing me out of getting bogged. And over and over again, they just graciously got out. It became a bit of a joke. And they were telling me, you know, you drive better, drive better. And I'm, I'm trying. So we're driving along there, pushing me every single time. And I, I started thinking about that in relation to this message because it's, it's funny how sometimes in life, especially when it comes to our faith and the calling that we have, which we looked at last week, sometimes it feels like we've got a truckload of calling, a truckload of purpose, like a truckload of gifting, ready to give. But sometimes then the roads of life get a little bit difficult uh, and we get bogged. And sometimes we're still on the path we're still coming to church every now and then. We're still reading our word every now and then. But we're stuck. And we're just not moving in the way that God would have us move. Anyone ever been stuck? Anyone ever been stuck? 
I think so often in the Christian life, if we're honest with ourselves, we just get bogged. And you know what the great promise of this letter, this Second Timothy letter is? It's that though a time will come when every Christian will get stuck, there is no sand dune too high. There is no sand too soft. There is no road too difficult for God to achieve his purpose in the world through and in you. And that God actually has a specific way of helping us, and that is that we are called to have people in our lives who are prepared to get out and give us a push when we're bogged. And as you read 2 Timothy, I want you to picture this, this beautiful old now man, Paul, on his deathbed, giving his young pupil a push. He's giving him a shove. He's saying, come on, man. Get back on the road of ministry. Get back to what you were called to do. Get back to the gifting that God has laid upon you for the purpose of his glory and his kingdom. Because God has not gifted you. God has not filled the truck with gifting and calling. And he has for each and every one of you specifically gifted, uniquely called. He hasn't done that for you to just sit there. And say, well, life got tough. The road's too hard. I'm bogged and I don't know what to do. That's not God's intention for you. God has the power and the purpose. He is going to propel you forward. He's actually called there to be people in your life to help give you a push when you need it. And the question is, one, are you humble enough to ask for it? And two, are you humble enough to receive it? Because so often what happens in our culture when someone comes and gives us a push, we take that as a first like, Did you just hit me? Spiritually? Don't you push me. Amen? Can we just be real for a moment? Are we ready to receive it? Are we ready to have people, invite people into our lives to just speak that and to actually get behind us and give us a shove when we need us a shove to get us moving in the power and purpose of what God has called us to do? Amen? And that is what this beautiful letter, 2 Timothy, is all about. Because you know what? Timothy got stuck. Timothy's stuck. You see, what, something's happened for Timothy. This is Timothy, right? This is, this is faithful Timothy. This is the, the man of whom Paul said, he goes uh, to, the, to the Philippians, Paul writes, he goes, I have no one else like him. No one else. This is Timothy. He's faithful. He's devoted. He's journeyed with Paul since the age of about 16. Tradition holds is when he got saved. So it means now he, we're talking, by the time he receives this letter, Timothy's like early 30s to mid 30s, right? And so for 20 years probably, Timothy has journeyed with Paul. He's, he's watched Paul minister. He's learned from Paul. He sat with Paul. He's now leading a church. He's He's been faithful. He's been true to his calling. And now something's happened in Timothy where he's stuck. Something has happened in Timothy's life where Paul now on his, like in the dungeon, on his deathbed, is compelled to write, is compelled to give Timothy a shove. He's compelled to say, Timothy, this is not what you were created for. And as we read it, and as you read it closely, you realize that the thing that's caused him to be stuck is fear. And what we know about Timothy through the New Testament, through the reading, again, if you read your New Testament carefully, you get a pretty clear picture of Timothy's character and who he was. One, we know that he was actually prone to sickness. 
He was weak, like he had, he had intestinal stuff. He was often sick, like Paul tells him, to take a little wine for his stomach. We know historically that Timothy was prone to illness. We know that Timothy was, was sort of a shy kind of a guy. He wasn't your Apollos. He wasn't your Silas. He wasn't your Peter. Timothy's not the guy who gets up there with his commanding presence and everyone pays attention. Timothy's a different sort of a cat. He's this, he's this gentle, humble, silent sort of a guy who's just faithful and true. <clears throat> this is Timothy, yeah? And something's happened in Ephesus where all of a sudden something's crept in and it's caused Timothy just to get stuck for a moment. Where he was powering along in the faith, now something's happened and he's and he stopped moving. And it's fear. But I just want to speak into that for a moment because I've read some commentaries over the last couple of months. Some people, they, they kind of put Timothy down like, oh, timid Timothy. And they speak badly about him. Can we just contextualize this for a moment? And let me see how you would feel. Um, so here's Timothy, pastoring a church in Ephesus, this magnificent city. There's a lot of stuff going down. He spent the best part of the last 10 years watching his mentor get flogged, stoned, spat on. Uh, there's been riots where they've almost been killed and then he's been cast out of the city. Paul has been stoned to the point of death. They thought he was dead. And then Paul got up and kept walking. He's watched this guy get beaten to an absolute pulp, abused. And now he's the guy leading the ministry and he hears that his mentor is now in a Roman dungeon about to have his head cut off. And at the same time, as all this stuff's going on, now Timothy leading the church, you presume he's suffering a little bit himself, plus all the false teachers who are challenging his theology, challenging his leadership daily. He's constantly got that emotional and spiritual weight. He's got the weight of knowing that there's suffering. And if he's going to continue to preach this gospel, this true gospel, the doctrine that Paul's been preaching, that Peter's been preaching, that John's been preaching, the gospel he knows because he learned it from his grandmother and his mother, this gospel that he knows is true, that he's given his life over to, he knows that serious, severe suffering's coming his way. Can we put ourselves in those shoes for a moment? Just maybe we'd be a little bit timid. Amen? We live in a world today where people are afraid to talk to their work colleague about the gospel because they might not like them as much. We live in a world where we don't stand up and just say a biblical understanding of gender for fear of political correctness. Nothing else is going to happen to us. No one's going to cut our head off physically, literally. And we're afraid. Can you imagine for a moment what Timothy's going through? I think it's probably reasonable that he's just had a moment in faith where he's a little stuck. Are you with me? Just maybe there's a reason that he's a little stuck. And I love what Paul writes. Oh, I love this letter. I love the way that he writes. Because he doesn't come at Timothy and can, he doesn't say, Timothy, you fool. Like, how could you let me down, Timothy? He doesn't do that. He says, Timothy, my beloved son. This is like, there's this, it's relationship. I love this. 
what, what Paul is doing here is he's got some relational integrity. It's not about religion. It's about that relationship. And there's the first rule and it comes to this idea of rallying with people and walking with people. Don't ever make it about religion. Always make it about relationship. And so Paul has this relational integrity where he can come to Timothy and he can speak in love as someone who has walked with him and he can say, hey, 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 what's going on? I know you're afraid. I know fear has grasped you for a moment. I know that's got, but let me point you in the right direction. Let me give you a push. Because fear can be debilitating, can't it? Anyone been afraid before? No, only a few of us. I'm afraid of lots of things. I'm afraid of snakes. Spiders. There's lots of things that I'm afraid of. I jumped off our deck a couple of years ago and there was a big black snake just sitting right there. I just jumped, I just came straight back inside. The kids were outside, the dog was outside. I went, Joe, there's a snake up there. She's like, you can go and get the kids champion. But it just, like, fear just, sometimes fear just gets you, doesn't it? I remember when I was a kid, we went to Canberra, we caught up with some great friends of ours, the, the March family, and we were trying, Phil remember this, we were trying to cross a creek, right? We're on an adventure, you know, when you're kids, you go on an adventure. We're trying to cross a creek, and there was, there was a, like, a tree branch had fallen over, and the creek was fanning them, it's like four meters wide. Um, and we're trying to cross on this thing, and we slipped, and Peter and I slipped, and we probably, water was probably thigh high, and we slipped, and we fell in, Phil and Andrew on the other side, they hadn't committed to it yet. And I remember falling in and thinking, okay, we're in the creek, and Peter just started screaming, leech, leech, leech. And I didn't know what a leech was at that age, so I started freaking out, like, whatever it is, it must be bad by the way he's carrying on. So I'm like, leech, leech, and then Peter started crying because I was screaming, and we were just standing in this creek, of water to our thighs, we fairly could have taken three steps and we would have been out and we would have been leech free. But we were so afraid that it just stopped us, like it just debilitated, it just put us, we weren't moving anyway. Yeah, we needed Phil and Andrew to like yell at us and say, stop it! And they're our younger brothers. Stop it! Just take two steps and get out of the creek here, fools! And so eventually we calmed ourselves and we got out and thank God the leech didn't get us. But fear can be debilitating, can't it? Fear can grab you, right? Fear can cause you to get stuck. And especially in this generation, especially in our culture where we're at, I think fear, anxiety is this pervading thing over us, especially in the Christian faith. But you could enter anything into this, this call. Like Peter, Paul, Paul writes this to Timothy because he knows Timothy. He knows what's going on. He knows what's stopping Timothy. But it might be something else for you. And that's my question is what's stopping you? What causes you to get stuck? What's the soft sand in your life that you turn the corner and you, you just go, I'm, I'm not moving anymore. And who do you have in your life who's going to give you the shove? Last week I said, who are you discipling? This week the thing to underline, highlight, is who's discipling you? We all need someone to speak into our lives and give us the shove when we need it. Amen? Everyone needs someone to disciple them. But look how Paul does it. This is magnificent. Look how Paul does it. He starts out and he says this. Can we get that passage back up there? 
So he, he writes and he says, for this reason which I, uh, I remind you to fan this flame. So he's reminding him to get moving, keep moving, which is in you. And he says, I know it's there. And he says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Or we have not been given a spirit of fear in a different translation, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The first thing he does is that relational thing. He actually just reminds him of what he's been given. And the word there, the Greek word gift, is actually this, uh, it's a word where we get the word charisma from. The Greek word uh, charisma. Everyone say charisma. It's nice to have a little bit of the Lebanese twist on it, Sammy. But we need a so he says, this is the gift. He says, this is what you've been given, right? And let me read you the definition. This is what um, the lexicon says about this word. It says, it's a grace or gift denoting extraordinary powers, distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating on their souls by the Holy Spirit. Let me put it in my terms. It's a supernatural gift of ministry. This is where some people are set aside. Everyone's called to be a minister. Everyone's called to do ministry. We are the priesthood of all believers. You are all called to minister in some way, shape, or form to each other. But the Bible clearly says that there are some gifts for specific ministry, for leading a church, for the proclamation of the gospel. And Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, remember the gift, the gift you have been given, this gift of ministry, this gift to teach and to preach and to lead and to bring people to the gospel is not one of fear. That what you're feeling, what you're stuck on, that's not of God. That is not of God. This thing that's telling you that you can't do it, this thing that's saying you're not worthy, this thing that's saying you're not capable, this thing that's saying you can't go through it because you're not like Paul, you don't have the strength of Paul, you're not that type of character, you can't preach like Apollos, you can't do this, you can't do that, because that's not of God. That's not the spirit. The spirit you have is one of power and of love and of a sound mind, Timothy. Power to overcome this. Power to to preach the way that God's called you to preach. Power. Do you know what? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Everything that is going to happen to you, Timothy, comes under the sovereign hand of God. He has got you. And I felt to speak that over some of you today. You're going through stuff. Guess what? God is still on the throne. God is still sovereign. He has the power. And the spirit he has given you is one of power. So stand boldly and bravely. And he's given us the spirit of love. He's given us the capacity. Timothy's going against false people every single day. People constantly maligning him, constantly tearing him down. He says, you know what? I've given you the spirit of love. A spirit to actually to that agape, that actually dying to self, sacrificial love, to just keep loving them, keep proclaiming the truth. But don't you act like they're acting. Don't go down their line. You just love them, you show them the grace of God, and you keep proclaiming truth. And then that last one, sound mind, self-discipline. Another way you could actually translate that in the Greek is wisdom. It's actually saying that I've given you wisdom. I've given you the ability to think logically. I've given you sound thought processes. So use them. Use them. Step into it. So he starts off with that beautiful proclamation of what Timothy has. And then I love the way that he does this. Let's go. Verse verse 8. He then does what theologians call the appeal. The great appeal. Everyone say appeal. 
Listen to the appeal. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So he gives him three things. He says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me because I'm in chains. We looked at that last week. Check out the podcast. And the last one, which I think is so uh, special here, is this. Do not be afraid of the cost. Join me in suffering. What's Timothy's thing? What's he stuck on? Fear. What's Paul saying? Come on. It's coming at you. It's coming. Join me. Join me. Come and suffer with me like you have been. Come and suffer. And then he says why. Verse 9. He goes into these two verses. Two verses is all it takes to explain the gospel. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Timothy doesn't need what the church of Rome needs or the church of Ephesus needs or the church of Corinth needs. He doesn't need the great unpacking of theology. He doesn't need that. Paul knows that. Timothy knows. He's, he knows Timothy has his sincere faith. He knows that he's got it within him. All it takes is two verses to say, hey, let me remind you of the gospel. So if you are, if you are discipling someone, if you're trying to encourage someone who's stuck, first thing to do, remind them of the gospel. Explain the gospel. And the two things he picks up here, if Timothy's vice, his thing is that he's afraid, is he just reminds him of, of the fact that it's God's call, not his own. It's God who's, who's predestined him according to his purpose, that God has actually called him into this and he's done the work and that he has given him in Christ eternal life. He's like, what harm can the enemy do even if the enemy were to kill you? You are walking into eternal life, eternal glory. This is the great hope we have of the gospel. That it's not just about this life and this existence. That we live for an eternal existence. We live for an eternal king who has called us into that eternity in Christ. So he just, two verses, just reminds him of the gospel, what he needs to hear. And then he gives him an example of his own life. He says, hey, it's for this that I'm suffering. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because of this gospel. Because of this gospel, that's what I'm doing. Look at my life. Watch what I'm doing. I'm suffering, so don't be ashamed of it. So he's actually, he's actually demonstrating. If you're going to be someone who's discipling someone else, what's your life looking like? Can they look at you and see an example of someone who's walking with God? Don't be someone who says one thing and does another. Let's never be a people who say, hey, do what I say, not what I do. Let's be a people who give our lives that call, as it says in this book, to holiness. Let's actually surrender our lives, knowing that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Knowing that a day will come when you will get stuck. Knowing that a day will come when you will stumble and fall, because you are not perfect, but you have an almighty God who loves you, who will never forsake you, who has called you to his eternal purpose, and who has positioned someone in your life to give you a push when you need it. Amen? And this is what God's calling us to. 
And so we see this from this beautiful verse 11, where he says, And this is the gospel I was appointed, a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Do you know who you believe? This is a verse in my life, like this has sat so heavy with me. He unpacks the gospel in two verses to Timothy. And then he says, this is why I'm suffering. And he says, this is no cause for shame. Despite what those false teachers are saying, this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I have believed. I know who I have believed. Do you know who you believe? Do you know the person that you profess as Lord and Saviour? Do you have that relationship with God? Paul's great hope and his great security and the reason he can endure all things is because he knows who he believes. Christ is not some far-off theoretical idea. Christ is not some religious encounter that he has once a week on a Sunday morning. He has relationship. He knows who he believes. He's walking with Jesus. And so can we. God has given us of his spirit. He has poured out his spirit upon his people. He desires relationship with his people. And so often we're so busy doing everything else. And we might come to church once a month and we think that's our religious fix. That is not how the people of God are called to live. And God has so much more for us. He desires relationship. He wants to walk with you. He wants to carry you in and through so that when you hit those sands, instead of getting stuck and saying, well, what good is this? You know that you have a God who is with you in that suffering, that he suffered for you, that he's got his arm around you. You've got people around you pushing you and propelling you forward into your calling because that is what the church is called to be. Do you know who you believe? My great heart is that that would be the, just this beautiful hallmark that people would come in here, not for their church experience, but having had beautiful fellowship with Jesus all week. And so that when people who don't know who they believe walk in their doors, they're like, oh my gosh, there is something about these people. There's something different. They have something that I don't have and we can say, Amen. I don't have this, I don't have that, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Amen. And we can actually give out of the overflow of what Christ has poured in us. And this is what Paul is reminding Timothy. He's saying, hey man, just Come back to that first love. Come back to that faith. Just remember. Remember Jesus. All of this is worth it, brother. All of it is worth it. And so much more. If you had nothing but you have Christ, you have everything. And he just explains that to him and then he finishes with this great charge. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to close. This wonderful charge. 
What you heard from me, Timothy, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Don't you love that charge? Four verses is all Paul needs. And I love that he knows that that's all Timothy needs. It's not chapters. You know, he's not there constantly having to be next to him. Come on, Timothy. Come on, Timothy. He's just like, do you know what, Timothy? I'm just going to reveal. I'm just going to show you the gospel again. I'm going to encourage you to get back on the horse. And then I'm going to say, hey, fight the good fight. Guard the deposit. Keep speaking truth. Don't go down that line of false teachers. Don't buy into that political, correct rubbish. Don't go down the universalist line. Don't go down the popular culture line that everyone wants you to go down. Hold fast to the truth because it's in the truth that we have the promise and inheritance of eternal life in Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he just gives this beautiful charge. He says, guard it. And it's actually this, I love that paradox that we keep talking about, that it requires, it's like this sense that it requires all of us. He's like, you guard it, you do it, you run. And yet he says, but it's the Holy Spirit in you who's going to help you. We can't do it. God is the one doing it, and yet he calls us to do it. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's God who does it, and yet he wants to do it in and through us. Amen? And so the question is, who will go for him? Who will go for him? Who will stand in the gap? Who will pick up the torch and run the race? And I know you're cold, and I know it's Sunday morning, and I know it's a long weekend, and I know tomorrow Collingwood's playing Melbourne, and people are excited about that. And I know you've got lunches on, and I know we've got all this other stuff we want to do, but can we, for one moment, forget all of that and come to what actually matters in life, the eternal promise of life in Christ. And can we be charged in that for a moment and be encouraged to go and be the church, be God's hand and feet and not allow fear, not allow lust, not allow enter whatever else is going on in your life to stop you from moving. You will stumble. You will make mistakes. You will get stuck. Get up. Keep moving. Don't languish in that place because you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. So hear me as I declare the word of Paul in this. I'm behind you in the truck. I'm pushing in the sound. I'm saying, put your foot down. Let's go in Jesus' name. And get moving. Can we get moving? You have a call. You have a call. You've got a bootload of gifting and calling from God destined for a particular purpose, for a particular people, for such a time as this. Who is it? Who does God want to bring in to eternal life through you? Who is it? Are you praying for them? Are you speaking about them? Or has something cut in and got you bogged? Well, it's time to get moving, amen? It's time to get moving, not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. He will empower you. He's just looking for a vessel that's willing to go. I want to be that vessel. 
And sometimes I'm going to get stuck. And I need people to push me. If you want to be that vessel, sometimes you're going to get stuck. You're going to need people to push you. So who's going to push you? Can I encourage you this week to go and ask someone? Can you be the wind beneath my wings? (laughs) Can you be the hands on the back of my you? Can you push me forward? In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. invite everyone just to uh, close their eyes for a moment. Feel compelled this morning as really we should do every morning to give an opportunity here. I don't want people to leave this place and go into their long weekend and back to their lives without having a chance to say, do you know what? It's time. And maybe for you this morning that's about for the very first time surrendering your life to Jesus and saying, yeah, I want to live for that eternal life. I want to live for the glory of his kingdom. I want to know that hope, that hope that would drive a man in a dungeon about to lose his head and be so compelled to write to a young fellow to say, this is worth everything and more. That hope. If you don't know that hope this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that hope. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.